Hallelujah is the highest praise. Would you lift up your hallelujah and give it to the one that is worthy of it all. You're worthy of my highest praise, Jesus. Come on, that's it. Let's do that for just a little bit. In a world that's trying to give glory to everything else, we give glory to God. We give glory to the one that came down and died for us. Let's give him praise. Let's give him praise. Oh, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise all across this building. Jesus, wonderful name. In Jesus, wonderful name. Amen. It is so good to be in the house of the Lord here on this Sunday afternoon, the first Sunday of December. And I want to let everybody know we only have a couple more weeks left until we end this year. And I know that we've got holidays and all these things and parties and fun stuff coming up. But I want to remind us, let, let, let's make Jesus the most important thing. Let's end this year stronger than we started so we're not limping into the next year. We're pushing in. What God has already been doing is incredible, but I believe in it for more. Amen? Would you, amen, push with me in Jesus' name. If you have your Bibles, the book of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 6. At this time, we would like to dismiss our Sunday school students to their classrooms. Everybody say, God bless our Sunday school kids. And everybody say, God bless our Sunday school teachers. Amen. Sister Rodriguez told me Brother Rodriguez was going back to get four more. And I said, praise God. That's what it's all about. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I see some of the adults trying to sneak out to Sunday school. I don't know if Brother Troy's taking his daughter. He's going to get a snack. I don't know what's going on, but it must be exciting to be in Sunday school. Amen. Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 6. Just one verse of Scripture. I've been feeling this in my spirit for probably the last month, and especially after Wednesday night, I just felt... Like, this is the direction that we need to go. And so I'm going to do my best to preach what I feel like God's put in my heart. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Let's read that again. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Not just those that hunger and thirst. How you hunger and thirst makes a big difference. Blessed are those which hunger and thirst after righteous, for they shall be filled. And I want to preach to us for a few moments on this subject. Holy hunger. Holy hunger. Would you set down your Bibles and lift up your hands with me all across this building as we pray that God would use this word to speak to each and every one of our hearts. God, I pray, Lord, that you would anoint my lips of clay to speak words of grace and mercy God and and hopefully encourage somebody in their walk with you here this this morning this afternoon would somebody pray with me today hallelujah I pray God stir something up on the inside of us Lord amen that goes even beyond just this service Lord but it continues with us in our walk with you come on somebody press in the Holy Ghost with me in the name of Jesus I'm praying Lord for a holy hunger God, to enter this building, and God, when it enters this building, let it fill all the hearts of men and women and children in this house, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Somebody shout, hallelujah. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. Amen. Holy hunger. We talked a lot on Wednesday in our Bible study about Esau and how one meal changed his life for the negative. I don't want to spend my day today focusing in so much on the negative, although there are some things that we're going to have to deal with. But I want to talk about really a holy hunger. Amen. God instituted in the garden, He instituted this thing called hunger. This happened before the fall of man. This has always intrigued me because I often think, as many of us have, that 
Hunger is a result of the fallen, sinful condition of man. But that is not true. You see, food was not necessary for survival in the garden because man could not die, but they still got hungry. We know this because when Eve was tempted, she saw that the tree was good for food. It was good to eat. There was something about the fact that God had already made the garden full of food and he'd already put in them the desire to go after things. He already put the hunger in there. Hunger was not part of the fall. It was part of the paradise. Amen. Just want to tell somebody here today that you cannot truly have paradise without hunger. This is why when we get to the other side, when we get to heaven, it is, this, it is depicted as the marriage supper of the Lamb. Hallelujah. I want to tell you, God loves food so much, He started this thing with food, and He's going to end this thing with food. And I thank God for it. I've always got a joke when I eat a really good meal. I always tell people, this is going to be on the menu. And they ask me, what menu? The menu in heaven. Amen. When we get to the other side, there's just going to be some things uh, that we're going to enjoy because God created us, amen, with an appetite. God created us with this thing called hunger. Hunger was created by God before the fall because hunger is a reminder that man relies on something external to sustain them internally. That you're going to need something outside of you in order to fill the void on the inside of you. It is only logical then that Jesus would use hunger and thirst to describe the great spiritual need to desire righteousness. Physical hunger is a feeling that we can all relate to. It is a frequent human urge with desperation being the driving force. And I hope that I'm preaching this message during the right season with all of the food and with all of the feasts. I hope that when you grab those deviled eggs or angel eggs, whatever you want to call them, and you pick them up and you get another slice of cheesecake, I hope that you think of this message because God put it in you that when you get hunger, it is to remind you with desperation that you need something outside of you, that you need something bigger than you. I want to remind you here today, God put hunger inside of us to remind us that we cannot do this by ourselves, but we need Him. Would you clap your hands and thank Him? Thank you, Jesus, for hunger. Hunger and thirst are the two great equalizers of life. Both kings and peasants have felt hungry and thirsty. Even if one can fulfill the desire to eat or to drink and the other cannot, they have both felt the primal urge to eat or drink something. It is in our nature, it is in our survival instinct, if you will, to eat and to drink and to get rid of those uncomfortable hunger pangs. When someone is hungry, they can have levels, their blood sugar begins to drop, their energy levels begin to plummet, uh, their body sends out distress signals. It is a, fi a fight or flight survival instinct that kicks in, that screams, even if it's true or not, even if you've ate today or you haven't ate in a month, amen, it says eat something or you're going to die. There is something that God put in us, that hunger. It is a natural function to cause people uh, that they, they get in that fight or flight mode. That they, some even become grumpy and some become agitated because of the void that is there. And they are angry until that void is filled. In our generation, they call it being hangry. There's some hangry folk today. Amen. You might be married to a hangry person. Amen. There's something about when you get so hungry, you get upset. I want to tell you, being hungry will change your emotions. It'll change your actions. It'll change your behaviors. And I want to tell you, God made it that way. God created it that way. Now, I got some good advice for all the men. Always carry a snack somewhere. Just, amen. Hallelujah. You might not actually be having an argument. You might just be hungry. Amen. So just always have a snack with you. Amen. But there is something about that that appetite, that hunger, that emptiness, that void that will change the way you think. It'll change your priorities. I've already preached it. You just don't know it yet. It'll change the things that you count as important. 
Amen. I want to tell you, 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 if I offered you a Ferrari or a nice house right now, there's not one person that would say no, even if you turned around and sold it. But if I offered you a Ferrari or food and you haven't eaten in 40 days, I promise you, you would start picking something, amen, that you otherwise would not have picked. Why? Because you got hungry. And there's only one thing that can satisfy your hunger. In the context of this Sermon on the Mount, the crowds of people have followed Jesus from far off. They have been so long time with him that no doubt they begin to run out of food. They begin to run out of water. This happens multiple times in the passages that we read in the Bible. Jesus looks at them and he sees their hunger. He sees not only their physical hunger, but he sees their spiritual hunger. This implies to us that this crowd was longing to hear the teachings of Jesus more than their physical need to eat or to drink. Their physical hunger was and thirst was just signs of, an, of a deeper spiritual hunger and spiritual thirst for righteousness and for holiness and for God. And when Jesus looked out over the crowd, he saw that there was a hunger and a thirst that went deeper than their physical hunger. He saw a holy hunger in the people that they were, they were more interested in being with Jesus than they were the buffet. That they were willing to set aside and push aside the plate because there was something that could fill the void that food could never fill. There were some things that were more holy and more righteous and more important to them than anything else. It was a holy hunger. This hunger that God put in us has always been a pathway to going deeper in God. This is why the devil has manipulated our hunger. He has manipulated our appetites. He did it with Eve. It was just one bite of the forbidden that, caught, that got us all in the mess we're in today. He did it with Esau when he just changed his destiny over one meal. He did it with Israel when he brought them into Egypt because they were hungry out there, but they heard there was corn in Egypt, and it led them to slavery. He did this with Israel when they were in the wilderness. Uh, hunger led them to look back on Egypt and forget about the whips on their back uh, and forget about the slavery and forget about the hard bondage. Uh, and there was something that the hunger began to rise up and the devil began to manipulate it where they started looking back on Egypt with nostalgia and with longing. And I've come to preach to somebody. The devil tries to do that to us as well. He tries to get us to look back on things that God has delivered us from. Amen. And he does it in moments of hunger and he does it in moments of longing and he does it in moments. Hallelujah. He tries to pervert our holy hunger that is trying to direct us towards God. And he tries to get us to direct towards other things that don't satisfy, that don't satiate, that don't fill you up. He's always trying to direct us and redirect us into other things and other pursuits. When God put that hunger in you, he didn't put that hunger in you so you could become a drug addict. He put that hunger in you so you would strive after God with passion. Oh, somebody ought to give him praise. In the slums of Haiti, the people make clay biscuits for their meal. This is exactly what it sounds like. Dirt is collected from the nation's central plateau and trucked over the market where the women purchase it. The dirt is then mixed with salt. You can look this up for yourself. They mix it with salt vegetable oil and shortening or fat, whatever they have on hand. Maybe they'll throw in some sugar, any spices that they have to make the clay taste a little bit better. And they, and they, they still do this, do this today. It's, it's a sad deal. They then form these into discs and they dry them in the sun. And when the finished product comes out, they take them to the markets and they sell them. And they, they did a study on, on the price and the economy of clay biscuits. It's about 100 clay biscuits, amen, uh, just for about a dollar. And this is why it becomes a staple of this. The clay biscuits are a staple of their diet. Not because they love eating clay. Not because it tastes good. 
It is not even healthy or nutritional. It is causing health problems. It is causing gastrointestinal problems. It is causing tooth decay. It doesn't even have, uh, the minerals aren't even helping them. It's actually hurting them. It's not nutritional. It's not healthy. They don't eat it for the positive benefits. They eat it because it makes them feel full. That is in the impoverished areas of our world. They are doing that as we speak. There's somebody today on this first Sunday of December in Haiti that is making a clay biscuit and calling it a meal. Now, on a human level, we need to do what we can to try to help that situation. But I want to preach it on a spiritual level. We are living in a clay biscuit society. Just because we got enough money to go to Walmart and we've got enough food in the pantry and we think, no, we've got it all together. I want to tell you, we are starving and we don't even know it. We are the devil has tricked us uh, into thinking that if we will fill ourselves up with some clay biscuits uh, that we can binge on anything we want and fill our spirit with a million different things uh, even though there's no nutritional value and it'll somehow satisfy. I've come to preach that lie of the devil out of your heart and out of your home and out of your family. I want to preach to you uh, that, that those things the devil offers uh, do not satisfy. I want to tell you the devil's got clay biscuits for somebody today. He wants to try to get you to fill up on a steady diet of these clay biscuits. Because he's afraid of what your hunger might lead you to. I want to tell you, there's people right now, the reason you are sitting on your phone for eight hours a day is because you don't want to stare yourself in the mirror because if you stare yourself in the mirror, you might realize that you're broken. And if you realize you're broken, you might look to fix yourself. And when you realize you can't fix yourself, it leads you all the way back to the one that can fix you. But the devil wants to keep you up on clay biscuits. Amen. He just wants to make sure that you never let that hunger lead you towards God. He wants you to fill up on Instagram. He wants you to fill up on Facebook. He wants you to fill up on Netflix. He wants to fill up on YouTube. He wants you to fill up on the NFL. Can't go to church on Sunday. It's it's football Sunday. I want to preach to you. It's God's day, not Can I preach to some folks? Well, that's not my advice. I'll preach to some folks right now. He wants you to fill up on Fox News. And get you more interested in politics than you are in God. I want to tell you that is not of God. Christian nationalism is not of God. The two are not the same. You can be patriotic and not be a Christian. And you can be a Christian. Oh, well, hallelujah, praise God. It, they're not exclusive. I want to tell somebody here today, he can get some folks on the other side of the fence so connected on, on CNN, amen, that they get filled up with those clay biscuits as well. And for the sports lovers, he'll get you up on ESPN. And if that isn't your fancy, he'll get you on all sorts of movies that you can find, and he'll get you just filled up so you You never have time to focus on the fact that you're empty. He'll he'll get you getting another degree. Ain't nothing wrong with a degree, but you get filled up on education, and you miss out on revelation, and you get filled up with another day at the office, and another bill to pay, and another dollar in the bank account, and another house, and another car, and he fills you up, and you don't realize it's nothing more than clay biscuits. Somebody I'll lift up your hands. But God wants to give us a holy hunger. Somebody pray for that holy hunger. Come on, the devil wants to fill you up with all this other stuff. But God put a holy hunger in us. God put a holy hunger. Somebody lift up your hands and let's pray. God, empty me of all that other junk. Empty me of all that other junk so I can realize my emptiness. So I can realize my need for you. Somebody pray. Hallelujah. God has created a hole in our hearts. That idea of hunger, that hole has led us to this thing called hunger. We realize that we are empty. God made it that way. Amen. It's man's search for meaning. Why am I here? 
Why do I exist? I want to tell you, the, the world would have you believe you exist because you're just a bunch of cells that have just come together and it's just a random event and you are nothing more. You're just like an animal and you just exist. Amen. And, and, and the devil will use that to, to make people depressed and suicidal, to make them think there's no point to their life. And, and they might as well drink themselves away. And, and if it feels good, do it. And if it sounds fun, and indulge in it. Amen. What is he doing? He's just trying to fill your emptiness. Amen. With another pill. He's just trying to fill your emptiness with another one night stand. He's just trying to fill your emptiness. And one day, amen, I pray to God everybody in America wakes up that that clay biscuit hasn't filled me up. It's only left me, amen, nutritionally depleted. It's only left me empty. I hope that one day people in Carson City wake up and they realize and there's that holy hunger that just stirs up on the inside of them that says there's got to be more to life than what I've been living. There's got to be more more than just going from one relationship to another. There's, there's got to be more than partying on Friday night and waking up not knowing my name on Saturday. There's got to be more than working 70 hours a week to pay bills, to buy things, to impress people I don't even like. There's got to be more. I pray to God that the holy hunger takes over our nation again. I pray a holy hunger takes over our church again. I pray a holy hunger leads people to be desperate to get something from God. Hungry people are desperate people. Hungry people don't, they will beg, borrow, steal to fill their belly. Amen. They will do anything. The devil realizes this, and he has manipulated our hunger. He tries, us to get, he tries to get us to misinterpret our God-given hunger pangs. We'll preach about this for a minute. He knows that if he does this, we will try to fill the void with the wrong things. It's just another clay biscuit. The loneliness is not what you think. I'm going to preach to somebody. The devil's trying to tell you that you need another boyfriend, you need another girlfriend. It's just a symptom of a God-given hunger pang. And he wants to tell you it's no, it's you just need to fill it with this. No, 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 no. Amen. I want to tell you, as natural as it is, you know, when you want something sweet, don't give them somebody, something salty. And vice versa. Because it won't satisfy uh, the hunger pang that you have. You know, you ever, you, ever go, you ever try to figure out with your spouse what you're going to eat? You know, I've just started doing what don't you want? Here's a, here's a life hack. Don't tell my wife this. Hey, guess where I'm going to take you to eat? And then she'll tell you. You're right. And then you know. <laughs> I just gave somebody some help there. Praise God. But there's some people that you feel lonely and you think the answer is in, you know, when your body's saying, uh, when you got that craving for sugar and, and, and you've been eating a lot of candy bars, your body will tell you you need a candy bar when the truth is you don't need a candy bar. You need sustainable sugar. But if you've not trained your body to get the right things and get the right nutrients, it'll start settling for other things that are temporary fixes. And that's what we've done in our society. And it has led to all sorts of health complications. And we've done that in our spirit as well. That when we get a symptom, we start trying to fix the symptom instead of going back to the root and finding out why that symptom's there. And we feel lonely and we think we need to fill that void with just a little more of this. And, and we get to the place of silence and we feel alone instead of praying and seeking God and talking to God and getting a relationship built with the one that can fill the void. We call somebody up on the phone. We send out a text message. We say, There's people that that scroll for endless hours. I want to preach to you, amen, that loneliness is not a is nothing more than a hunger pang from God. And the devil wants to trick you and to convert it into something else. But that loneliness is there to drive you, not into the arms of another person. Those, those hunger pangs are there to drive you into the arms of Jesus. They're there to drive you into the kingdom. Can I preach to somebody about your hurt and your pain? Your hurt and your pain is not to drive you into depression. Your hurt and your pain is to drive you to Jesus, the one that binds up the brokenhearted. It's a holy hunger. Don't let the devil steal it. Don't let the devil manipulate it. Don't let the devil trick you. Don't let the devil try to fill you with other things. I want to preach to somebody. God put a holy hunger there, and it's to drive you into him. That stress you feel is not what you think it is. I feel so stressed. I feel so anxious. I want to just tell somebody, anxiety and stress are a symptom. 
I want to tell you what the Bible says. Be anxious, be stressed out for nothing, but by everything, prayer and supplication. You know, when I feel stressed out, I remind myself I need to pray. And there's some folks here today, Pastor, how am I going to get rid of stress and anxiety? I want to tell you, stress and anxiety is a symptom. It's not going away until you give it what it really needs. And when you pray, I want to tell you what stress and anxiety are. It's, it's, it's future tripping. Everybody say future tripping. I want to tell you, you're not a time traveler. You don't live in tomorrow. You live in today. And regret, that's, that's, that's time, trying to time travel into the past and fix something you can't fix. You can't go back in the time. But people that are full of stress and anxiety are future tripping about tomorrow. And Jesus said, take no thought about tomorrow, what you'll eat or what you'll drink. What's he saying? He said, your job is not to worry about tomorrow. You don't live there. Your job is to talk to me today. And the devil will have you thinking, I'm stressed. I just need to take a puff off of a cigarette. I'm stressed. I just need to drink a little. I'm stressed. I just, I just need another vape. I'm stressed. I just need another pill. I, I'm stressed. I just, I just need some release. I'm stressed. But it's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. It is not of God. God is saying, if you're anxious, Bring me your anxiety. If you're stressed, bring me your stress. If you're full of regret, bring me your regret. Let that hunger be holy and lead you into God. Oh, somebody ought to lift up your hands and magnify him. Come on. Come on. Don't let the devil manipulate your hunger. Don't let him lie to you about what you're really craving. Amen. Don't let him take your cravings and turn them into something else. Come on, somebody pray in this house. Come on. For the stressed individual, it's time to pray. For the anxious individual, it's time to pray. For the Come on, it's time to get off Instagram and Facebook. and It's time to set all that stuff aside and say, I'm going to get a hold of God until he gives me peace about my tomorrow. And Come on, somebody pray. You know, that craving for another high is just a symptom. It's not what you think it is. It is the desire in man for something more. There's got to be more than just the natural world. I need some LSD to trip and see something outside of what I can see. There's got to be a world beyond this. I'm preaching to somebody. And it's got to be one high to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. Because if I, if I can't figure, if I can't get that high, uh, then I'm going to, eventually that high plateaus. And that next high plateaus. And that next high plateaus. And, and all it is is man trying to look beyond the mundane and get out of all of that. Uh, it is saying there's got to be more to this life than what I have experienced. Uh, can I preach to somebody? That is a holy hunger. That, that, that holy hunger has been perverted into addiction. But that holy hunger is actually trying to lead you to receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost to have a world beyond this world. I want to preach to somebody, there is something beyond what your eyes can see. There is a God beyond what your eyes can see. There is a spirit world. There is a Holy Spirit. And He walks with you. And He talks with you. And He wants to live on the inside of you. It's a holy hunger. But the devil wants you to trade the Holy Ghost for another hit. I've come to preach to somebody. Don't let the devil steal your holy hunger. Go into God. The holy hunger that God's put there, the devil's manipulating. I want to tell you, there is a hunger. Amen. There is a hunger that only God's holiness can satisfy. There is a hunger. There is an appetite that only the good things of God can satisfy. You can try to fill your life with everything. It doesn't work. And there are people in this building, you can testify that you've tried it. Tried everything. But can't nobody do me like Jesus. I want to tell you. Nothing else will satisfy that God-shaped hole in your heart. Nothing else will quench your thirst like Jesus. Nothing else will help satisfy the emptiness and longingness of your soul. I want to tell you, another girlfriend will not satisfy it. Another hit will not satisfy it. I want to preach to somebody, there is a holy hunger that is rising up even in the midst of this culture. When everybody says, well, nobody wants God anymore, that is not true. That is of the 
devil. I want to tell you, every young person that cuts themselves is actually crying out for more. Every young person that is saying, I don't know if I can live this life. You know what they're saying? I don't know if I can live the way I've been living and I need to die to my old sins and die to my old ways. They, they know something's got to die and they think it's them, but it's not them. It's their old sinful nature and they know they've got, there's something saying you got to be born again. you got to be born again. You gotta start. I want to tell you, this whole transgender movement uh, is nothing more than a counterfeit gospel that is saying you were born wrong. Uh, I want to tell you what they're saying is not all wrong. Every one of us was born in sin. Every one of us was born wrong. But their answer to fix the solution is to go through a gender reassignment surgery. But the truth is you don't need a gender reassignment surgery. You just need to be born again. The gospel's got an answer, and the world's hungry for it. But the devil's trying to get them to not realize what they're really craving. You, you're craving uh, something more. You're craving uh, to be changed. You're craving uh, to be righteous. You're craving to be holy. You're craving to be what you were made to be in the image and likeness of God. Somebody ought to clap your hands and give the Lord some praise. Contrary to popular belief, not everyone is on board with the world's current agenda. I ain't even just talking about church folk. I want to tell you, there's people in the world smoking dope right now that are like, that ain't cool. Some of us, and such were some of us, praise God. There's some people that are watching the news right now going, that's not right. There are people that are hungry to hear the truth. In fact, you're here today because you're hungry to hear the truth. Not another sugar-coated sermon. You can find that at McChurch. Amen. It ain't here. It ain't no toy, ain't no toy, ain't, there's no toy with this sermon, praise God. There are people that are tired of being told that there's no such thing as God. They're tired of it because they know. People aren't dumb. People are not as dumb as the media wants to tell them they are or as politicians want them to think they are. People look up at, at, at the Sierra Nevadas and go, yeah, that's pretty big. There's got to be something bigger than me. There's got to be a God. Amen. Even the, even the atheist spends his entire life trying to prove that God doesn't exist. That sounds like devotion to God to me. Listen, I don't believe in unicorns, and I don't go around telling people unicorns don't exist. I don't have a YouTube channel talking about how unicorns don't exist. I don't see a kid with a unicorn sweater and be like, unicorns don't exist. But atheists will spend their entire life. That lets me know they actually do believe. They just don't want to accept it because if they accept it, they're going to have to do something with it. Because if you don't believe in nothing, you don't need to say anything because it it's not even worth debating. It's not even a fact. I don't care if you believe in unicorns or not. It's not a fact. And when people say they don't believe in God, and yet they spend their entire life trying to tell every people, everybody that does believe in God that there is no God, and they get on the media, they get on social media, they get into politics, and they try to legislate that there is no God. I want to tell you what they're doing. They're crusading to try to put clay biscuits in people's mouths. They're just trying to legislate to fill the void. They're just trying to get people to step away from a holy hunger and to try to be satiated with something that will never fill them. This world is being, there are people that are tired of being told that there's, that there's no such thing as gender. And I'm not trying to hurt anybody. Y'all know me enough. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty cool. Praise God. I'm not trying to hurt nobody. But you know what? Because if you ever figure out what you are, there's power with that. And the devil doesn't want you to have the power that comes along with who you were created to be. This world is tired of being told there's no such thing as absolute morality. Well, that's your truth. And somebody's like, no, that's just called truth. Gravity exists. There is a world out there that is saying, hey, what are they really doing? They are hungering for God. They are hungering for righteousness. They are hungering for holiness. And can I preach to somebody here today? If your hunger doesn't make you want to be holy like Jesus, you might want to check your appetite. If your hunger is... I want to tell you... 
Your holy hunger should make you feel like what you're doing uh, should be right uh, and pleasing in the sight of God. Uh, it shouldn't make you think, uh, I can have God and something else on the side. Uh, I can have God and all this other junk. No, when you have a holy hunger, it starts saying, i got to get rid of all this excess stuff uh, because it doesn't satisfy, it doesn't fill. Can I preach about a holy hunger? Amen. A holy hunger will have you removing things from your home that don't please God. A holy hunger will have you blocking bad influences, unfollowing ungodly people, and changing the friends that you hang out with. A holy hunger will have you putting down your phone so you can pray. A holy hunger will have you getting off of Facebook to put your face in the book. A holy hunger will have you changing your work schedule so you can be in church. It'll have you driving extra time to get to prayer. It'll have you late for lunch after a Sunday service because you were too busy hungering and lingering in the altar. A holy hunger will have you changing the way you dress. It'll have you looking more modest. It'll change the way you talk. It'll change the language that comes out your mouth. It'll have you looking like a Christian, talking like a Christian uh, living like can I preach to somebody? Uh, a holy hunger will have you deleting some phone numbers out of your phone. A holy hunger will have you deleting photos off of your off of your account. A holy hunger will have you deleting uh, and removing some apps from your phone, uh, from giving setting some boundaries on your time, setting some bounds. I come to preach to somebody. Can I preach to somebody in this house? A holy hunger will have you running down to this altar and saying, i got to get right with God. And it'll have you running down this altar saying, I, I, I'm so tired of being empty. It'll have you lifting up your hands and saying, God, would you forgive me? Would you wash me? A holy hunger will have you get in that baptismal tank where we, where we baptize you in Jesus' name and all your sins are washed away. I want to tell you, a holy hunger will not stop. It is not satisfied until you are filled with the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. I've just come to preach to the church. Where's your hunger at? I've just come to ask somebody, do you got a holy hunger? Is there anybody in Apostolic Revival Center today that's got a holy hunger? Is there anybody that's still got a hunger for God? That's still got a hunger for His presence? That's still got a hunger to know Him more? Would you clap your hands and stand across the building? Come on, let's pray. Somebody lift up your voice and magnify the Lord. Come on, a holy hunger is what brought you to church today. You got that holy hunger. Hallelujah, but that hunger should lead you to being holy. It should lead you to being holy. It should lead you to being more righteous, more like God, not more like the world, not more like the agenda of our world. That holy hunger is meant to draw you into God's presence. Hallelujah, don't let the devil deter you. Somebody lift up your hands and pray. Come on, let's pray all across this house. Come on, let's pray. Somebody needs to stir up that hunger. Come on, what have you filled your belly with? What have you filled your spiritual stomach with over the last several months? Amen. So that you didn't feel those pains. So you could ignore those callings and those drawings and those pullings on you. I want to tell you, you got to just say, God, remove that and give me my hunger back. God, remove all that junk and give me my hunger back. God, I want to seek your face. I want to, I want to know more about you. I want to come on. I want to have that hunger that draws me closer to your presence. You know, church, we got we got a challenge. Because you know, when you come to church, it's easy to just, you know, when you got a buffet in front of you, it's easy to pick and choose what you want. Right. You never been to a buffet? Some of y'all love buffets, praise God. Pick up this, eat one bite, and say, nah, I didn't really like that. Put it back. See, our, our world, our world, and you notice this, especially amongst new new converts. I know I've been like this. I know there's other people like this. They come to church and they're just so excited to be there. 
Have you ever wondered why? That doesn't mean something's broken in you. That means they are, they are just so empty and so depleted that they just see one morsel of food when they come. It's the woman that says, even the dogs eat the crumbs. Even the dog, she didn't want a full meal. She just wanted a crumb. And the world comes in here, and they're just looking for, they'll take anything. Brother so-and-so steps on their foot, and they're just excited that somebody stepped on their foot. But you get saved for a little while. You eat a little bit. And I'm not talking about you eat carnally. You eat good things. And now, this is the challenge. Can you maintain a holy hunger when a buffet's in front of you? Can you maintain a hunger even though you have a walk with God and you know more than you did when you showed up? Is there anybody that just, man, I'll tell you what I am. I'm, I'm a new convert. I've just been doing this 21 years. I don't ever want to lose that. I don't ever want to lose that. I don't ever want to lose the fact that I don't know everything there is to know about God. Do I know more than some people? Yes. But if I ever get to the place where, yeah, I know more than everybody else that I know, then I'm no longer seeking after God. I'm just seeking to be more knowledgeable than other people. But when I, when I understand that I have a giant gaping hole in my heart for God, and it doesn't matter how much I try to fill it with that, it's just, I just need more. I just need more. I just need more. And I'm not going to try to satisfy with anything else. And when I get into the places of my life where I have lost my hunger for God, I realize it's because I've tried to cram other stuff in there to ignore how I really felt. That's the pastor preaching. So y'all are free to say amen. There's something about getting back to the place where you say, God, I just want you. There's something about getting back into a place where you say, God, empty me of all that other junk. Empty me of all of those other thought processes. Empty me of all of that other, those other feelings, those other emotions. God, empty me of all of those other pursuits. God, empty me until the place where I am, I am so hungry for you again. God, increase my spiritual metabolism that although I came to church on Wednesday, uh, I'm not satisfied with just Wednesday. i got to open up my Bible on Thursday. And even though I open my Bible on Thursday, i got to pray, pray at night on Thursday. Although I prayed at night on Thursday, I've got a hunger. You know, one of the signs of sickness and disease is when you lose your appetite. When somebody comes to church and they lose their appetite, I get worried as a pastor. I start praying for them because now church is no longer, amen, an exciting feast. It's now a burden, amen. But when you get a holy hunger back and your metabolism starts working again, you grow spiritually. I want to preach to somebody when you get your holy hunger back, you get your love for God back. When you get your holy hunger back, you get your praise back. When you get your holy hunger back. Would you lift up your hands? I'm done. I've got a lot more I could preach, but I'm done right here. Come on. Come on. Somebody needs to pray. God, Lord, help me, God, to get my holy hunger back. God, help me to get my spiritual hunger back. God, help me to get, God, if there's something in me that is hindering my hunger, would you remove it from my life? If there's a pursuit, if there's a person, God, if there's something I'm doing, God, remove it. Or give me the grace and the strength to remove it myself. I want to open up this altar. Would you come? Come on. Listen, we all, we all get filled up, and sometimes not with bad things. We actually got filled up with good things. But you got to process those good things. you got to metabolize those good things. you got to take the words you heard on Wednesday, metabolize it, and be so hungry for more of the Word. Be so hungry for more of His presence. Be so hungry to be more, to go deeper. There's got to be a holy hunger that is not satisfied with anything but Jesus. That is not satisfied with anything but being in His presence. That is not satisfied with anything but praying and speaking to God. That is not satisfied by anything but lifting your hands in worship that is not satisfied by anything but opening up the word of God and reading his word and letting him speak to you out of 66 books there's nothing more satisfying
Come on. Let that be your prayer today. God, empty me of all the stuff and all the junk. And God, give me, help me help me to get my hunger back. And Lord, maybe it's something you're not going to remove, but you're speaking to me to remove. I pray, God, give me the courage that when this altar call is done, that I have such a passion and such a desire to go home and make a difference. Come on, somebody pray. Come on. Part of the prerequisite to being filled is you gotta you gotta be empty. You gotta be hungry. There's gotta be a need. There's gotta be a desire. But if you want God to fill you, you gotta empty all that other stuff out. That's what creates a holy hunger. Somebody's getting their hunger back. They shall be filled.
that's hindering my holy hunger. Somebody lift up your hands. Somebody lift up your hands. Let that be your prayer today. That's my prayer today. That's my prayer today. Let's pray all across this house.